Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. You're listening to the Makeshift Managers podcast, and welcome to the uh, Makeshift Managers 2022 mock draft episode. Uh, obviously, you're hearing my voice and you're seeing me on your screens. It's it's Devin. I'm back. And uh, joining me today, um, it's not Austin. He's uh, sadly at his new job. We're working out some time constraints. But uh, welcome to the show. One of my lifetime friends and an avid Kings fan, Trenton. What's up, Devin and people <laughs> listening? Lifelong Kings fan is right. Lots of years of misery, but hoping to turn it around this year. Been saying hey, man. that for about the last 10, but you know, this could be it. In Vivek, we trust, I guess. Um, the Kings <laughs> have been a little rough over the last decade, but the fourth overall pick in pocket, and there's no big European guy that you guys can take for some <laughs> reason. So I, I like your odds this year. But uh, so in starting this episode, we, we kind of have a script we're going off of, my friends. So um, to start things off, Trent and I are just going to kind of uh, spitball about uh, the top players in this draft, just looking at the best available. Uh, starting out, uh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about the point guards in this draft. Um, I've pulled through many lists to look at where players are slated, where we think they could possibly go in the draft, and what positions they are held at. Don't yell at me. On this website, Dyson Daniels was listed as a shooting guard in the mock. He's going to be listed as a point guard. So, all things considered, at the point guard spot, it seems like a two-person race to me. Um, you got your Ty Ty Washington and, and then I would say Dyson Daniels is a point guard in this draft. So it's Washington and Daniels in my eyes that are going to be your like surefire first round point guards, especially with Daniels probably being a lottery pick. I think Washington could sneak in. I'm not sure how you're feeling about these two Trenton, but feel free to indulge me. I was telling you earlier, the whole Dyson Daniels is a point guard type thing. I don't know how I feel about it, but I definitely could see it you know, like a bigger Lonzo type of guard who can score a little better, I think. But definitely Ty Ty Washington, I think, is up there. You know how I am with my Kentucky guards. So I feel that. And you – so Jaden Ivey you got as the shooting guard, obviously. Yes, uh, correct. That one, that one's kind of iffy to me too, however you well, feel J- about that. So the, the, the problem with this draft for me is we have a real – because your true point guards based upon size in this draft – I just feel like the, the modern NBA, as we're seeing it evolve, there is no longer the point guard, shooting guard designation. Well, yes, for your all-NBA teams, even your all-star teams, there is the designation. But whenever players are coming out of college, you can look at Scotty Barnes last year. You're seeing more point forwards, more scoring-type bigs. Positions don't matter as much. You have a frame, and you have your frame of reference for how players play, but we're seeing more and more 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, players that are handling the ball and facilitating, or even more 6'4 to 6'2 guys that are primarily scoring the basketball. So while historically I would definitely say Jaden Ivey is probably a point guard, I think out of the class of these players, he's head and shoulders the best two-guard prospect that we have, especially with the track record that we've seen over the last five, six years. Some of the best two guards in the league right now and over the last half decade have been guys that fit between this six forward like six six range and Jaden Ivey's right there at the sweet spot where you have guys like Donovan Mitchell or even uh whenever Lowry was out in Toronto Van Vliet filled that two guard role to a certain extent yeah. but yeah for me this uh Ty Ty Washington prospect I am of the belief genuinely at this point if you are a point guard and you go to the University of Kentucky 
after the year 2016, you are going to be an NBA rotational player. Um, there's far more hits than we've seen misses, and I get it. From 2010 to around 2014, we didn't have this revolving cast of NBA caliber point guards out of Kentucky. It was like John Wall and just an army of darkness. Uh, Andrew Harrison, um, Aaron Harrison, Tyler Ulis, a lot of these guys that were really solid prospects coming out of high school never fully translated at the NBA level. And while they weren't translating, they were still rotational pieces. So I'm far more confident in the Ty Ty Washington heading into the 2020s because now we've seen even at the floor level of what Calipari is developing, you're getting players that are more akin to an Emmanuel quickly as opposed to a Tyler Ulis. Like at your peak, you're seeing production from the likes of an SGA or a De'Aaron Fox as opposed to Aaron or Andrew Harrison. Not that they were bad, but it's there's tears to it. Definitely, then, definitely. Yeah, and then the Dyson Daniels thing is going to be interesting. Uh, there is Kennedy Chandler who is mocked to be a first-round pick. I don't expect him in the lottery. He's a point guard out of Tennessee. I think uh, looking at his draft profile, he's 6'1". He's more of your traditional true point guard build, and uh, he put up about 14 points, uh, four four or five assists last year for, for Tennessee as a team that I think was playing really well in terms of the collegiate market. So I don't think Chandler's going to possess the upside we're seeing out of these Ty Ty Washington, Dyson Daniels. And if it's your cup of tea, even Jaden Ivy's, he's not the explosive athlete with the range and length of these other point guards, but he's going to be a facilitator that I think translates at the NBA level just not with the upside of your 6'4 to 6'6 lead guard. And then that brings us to our shooting guard section, which in my opinion, if it weren't for the top three in this draft, the sh I, I still think even after the top three of the draft, the shooting guard position is the deepest in this draft. If you are classifying Jaden Ivey as a shooting guard, I'll just classify Jaden as a combo guard. If you're looking at the mocks, he's the number one point guard off the board. He's the number one shooting guard off the board, whichever way you cut it. So, Trenton, how are you feeling about Jaden Ivey? I def yeah, I definitely feel it is a four-person draft with a drop-off, Jaden being in that 3-4 area because mm -hmm. I don't know if he's better than Powell or – I like I wouldn't – I don't know how to decide where to put three and four between those guys, but, yeah, I mean, he definitely is the best guard point or shooting guard, however you want to play him in this draft by far. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think for me, picking in the top five is really tricky. Obviously, I'm not an NBA GM, but I think whenever you're picking in the top five for any sport, you have to find the perfect balance of floor and upside. While Paolo Banchero is arguably the most complete prospect we see in this draft based upon his physical tools and his offensive skill set, I'm a little worried about his defensive floor at the NBA level, and I'm not sure how much more you can get out of a player like Paolo at the NBA level. I think he is a finished product comparatively to everybody else around him. With your Chets and Jabari's, Jabari is a little slender. Obviously, my the biggest complaint you'll hear about Chet Holmgren is he's 195 pounds. We've never seen a Chet, and that makes me super excited as to what he can become, especially with NBA-level conditioning. Jaden Ivey is... Almost can't miss in my eyes. Um, we had a really long era of NBA basketball where everybody was looking for the next best lead guard. And it caught teams into the cycle of you had your John Walls going. You had your De'Aaron Foxes, these super fast guards.
guards that can take you off the dribble in a moment's notice. And for as good as John Morant has been, whenever he was coming out of Murray State, it, I might eat. I, I might eat my words five years down the line, but I think Jaden Ivy has a bit of what we saw to John Moran at Murray State—an explosive lead guard that can facilitate and score with the best of them. And I think Ivy, under his current build right now, may even be a little bit of ahead of what we saw to John Moran. He's two hundred pounds, six four. He's a pretty put together dude, and he wasn't playing at Murray State. He was playing at Purdue, which at one point last season was, I believe, the number one school in all of the nation. He 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 was doing it at the highest level of college basketball. And I know we're we're in an ever-evolving landscape of uh, prospects and young players. But for me, if 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 it were me, obviously I think the Rockets have a really tough hand. You just drafted a guy like Jalen Green. Ivy, for me, is the third best player in this draft. And if he doesn't go three, I don't think it's his fault. It's more of a team fit kind of thing. Now, I like. I also like what you say, too, about how you have to draft in the top three like that. You're drafting based on, like, what their floor is, what their ceiling is. And to me, Jaden Ivy is the type of dude who, at his absolute worst, like if he just shit in, when he went into the league, he would still be, mm-hmm. like, a, a usable point guard, a starting yeah. point guard. Like, he might not be an all-star, but he's still, like, a – going to go out, you know what I mean? Like a floor general type point guard that you don't have to worry about. Like, oh, yeah. he's like the least bust in the top four for me, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. There are so many branched realities we can get into with any of these top four guys. Jabari Smith, um, there was a guy out in Carolina, Marvin Williams, went second overall to the Atlanta Hawks. I think he went first, actually. He was the sixth man for that Carolina team. Whenever he came out of the draft, he was a very slender player, but he filled out in his maturing years from like 20 to 25 he got really really big in his lower body which changed the way he played and it limited the upside that they once saw um i don't think jabari smith is going to be at risk of something like that happening to him but he's a bit stiff in the lower body chet obviously is one of the lightest centers we've had come out of college basketball since i don't know when um there's there's going to be downside to any of these players but whenever i'm drafting top three like you were saying I got to have the upside baked into it because at worst, I trust the player's instincts or I trust their shooting touch or their handle. But if there's questions around the instincts or the intangible stuff, like being able to find teammates or understand the game, that's when I get a bit worried. And that's what's going to differentiate your top five from your top 13. Um, The rest of these shooting guards, uh, well, we'll cut Dyson Daniels out of the shooting guard list, obviously, because he's my number one point guard on the board, aside from a Ty Ty Washington. I still think Daniels goes before Ty Ty, based upon Daniels' just length and overall upside. Shaden Sharp, he is the most divisive prospect in all of uh, the NBA draft this year, in my opinion. He's a guy that was slated to go play for the University of Kentucky, um, a la players like Malik Monk in the past. We've seen a lot of guards come out of Kentucky that have played at a very high level. I think Shaden Sharp, if he would have played this year, we would have been hoping for Ty Ty Washington and Shaden Sharp to take the track of an Emmanuel quickly and Tyrese Maxey, that combo guard type situation they had out there. Sharp is a late bloomer in his high school days. Um, He hit the uh, AAU circuit a little bit late and he was dominating. Um, He was one of the top three guys out of his high school class. And I believe he reclassified to get into the draft this year. Um, my only concerns with Sharp is just the lack of tape at the highest level. Obviously, um, these prep to pro kids, uh, it's gotten a lot better over the last five years. It's no longer this uh, 
crapshoot that we saw whenever you had guys like Eddie Curry, Kwame Brown, Tyson Chandler, just to name a few names of these guys that were jumping from high school straight to the pros, because I just think the system we have in place prepares these players a lot better than what we had prior. I think AAU for its faults is still developing professional grade players while it's kind of hurting the fundamentals and the integrity of the game. It's creating superstars just from a grassroots approach. So I don't think anybody should be worried about Shaden Sharp, the prospect, due to the fact that he didn't play college basketball. There's bigger things to worry about. Looking at Shadon's profile, we could pull him up right now, and he's six foot six, two hundred pounds. He's a little slim, but looking at everything that he can do, he can he can score from damn near anywhere. He can, he's got shooting touch. He can go inside. He can go mid-range. He he reminds me a lot of what Jalen Green promised us in last year's draft coming from the Ignite, a three-level scorer that has some like smoothness to his game. Um, I don't know how you're feeling about Sharp. I've been as high on him as possibly being a top-four pick. I'm a little cooler on him as of now, um, yeah, but how I, are you feeling? That's how I feel, too. Like, I mean, we talked about it multiple times before, how high I was on Shaden Sharp. I wanted the Kings to take him at four, but now that I like look more into it, I honestly feel like, you know, don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a great player like in the league, but I, for some reason, I feel like those dudes that, you know, have a year off college or only play a certain amount of games at college, or even the dudes that come out of like the G league, they're mm-hmm. just like, like a step slower than the dudes coming in straight from college that like yeah. played that college season, played that March madness tournament. Like, but I feel like as a team that's trying, you know, to have to player to hit the ground running right now to help them. I don't know mm-hmm. if Shaden Sharp's the best option for them, just based on I think he's going to need some time to, you know, get back in the groove of it. But, yeah, I mean, if you're like a lower in the eight, like the Pelicans, the Pelicans can store them and just let them work because they have the talent right now. And so I just feel like he's going to need a little time to get it moving again because taking a year off like that, I feel like definitely sets you back a little bit from the other guys. Yeah, especially that year off. Um, the biggest example of this uh, – collegiate player going to a big name university and just having to miss basically an entire year of college basketball just to come back for the draft next year. The only one that I can remember off the top of my head that was of a notable stature coming to the draft was uh, James Wiseman last year or two years ago in the draft with LaMelo and Anthony Edwards. Wiseman has not panned out yet. I do think big guys are a lot harder to project, especially in the modern NBA with their size. It's really hard to figure out how the health is going to pan out. For guards, I'm not as worried. I think Jalen Green had a bit of issues this season with his efficiency, but he's a smaller guard. Shaden Sharp, um, while he is a bit slender, he's six. He's six six. He's six six in shoes, two hundred pounds, and he has the length and the range to be a. He's going to be a comparable NBA defender first time he steps on the court. The biggest thing we're going to have to see with Shaden Sharp is if he can fit a team scheme. If he's going to give the necessary effort night in and night out to be an impact player on both ends of the court. Because offensively, he could be the best player on any of the teams that are going to draft him. He's that talented. And it's going to be a matter of him being able to develop those tools and learn from the proper environment. I don't think Shaden Sharp will be a failure based upon himself as a player. His traits and his athletic ability should take him to lengths that few players in this draft truly can reach. But I think he's going to be a uh, really big fit guy. Like if he, he goes come to in too. A, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, I was going to say he could come in too. Cause would Kyrie play at Duke like 11 games or something? No. Yeah. The, it, it, could, if the talent is there, it's, yeah, exactly. it's going to translate. 
he could literally th- come in and blow us all away and be by far the biggest steal of the draft if he falls past five six. I, but I, I I genuinely think if Indiana's there at six and a guy like Keegan Murray isn't there, I think Shaden Sharp wakes makes way too much sense for them yeah. not to take him because they have t- contracts and players that are good enough to be on a, like a playoff rotation team. You could move a piece like Malcolm Brogdon. You can move a Buddy Heald. There is so much movement that Indiana has yet to make that I think you bring in a guy like Shaden Sharp and you get another first-rounder for a guy like Miles Turner. I think Indiana could get really creative and actually field a very, very exciting team in the next couple yeah. of years. But yeah, yeah Sharp that's and what Maya- I was thinking too. Like Indiana's like a couple moves away from being like one of the best young teams because they got mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte. Like they're, yeah. they're a few moves away from being one of the best young teams in the NBA. And they just traded for Jalen Smith for like a box of Cracker Jack and a Gatorade. Like <laughs> yeah. this Indiana team, I the only reason I wouldn't see Shaden Sharp being a pacer after the draft is Rick Carlisle is a coach that likes players that are ready to play. And I can't guarantee that Shaden Sharp will translate first game on the court. Exactly. Offensively, the talent will be there. And I think he'd be a prime candidate for G League MVP, or not G League MVP, but Summer League MVP wherever he goes because these transcendent scorers go to the summer league and they just put on. Yeah. Um, I.e. Kyle Kuzma in the 2016 Cam NBA Thomas, summer league. Cam Thomas went crazy last year. Exactly. Like if you, if you're a bucket, you're going to find a really nice home out there. Uh, after Shaden Sharp, we've got two names that I think could go anywhere from picks seven all the way to 13. I like one a lot more than the other. Uh, currently I'm looking at Benedict Matherin and Johnny Davis. Um, I'm not sure how you're feeling about either of these players. Uh, this mock has Matherin at the small forward spot. I like him as a two guard personally. I think he shapes up to defend there at a really good level coming straight into the league. And we all know Johnny Davis. I don't think I see him being anything other than a two in the league, especially with his weight out of the two guys. Who are you feeling the, uh, who, who are you going to feel better about coming out of this draft? Honestly, personally, I feel better about Benedict Matherin, like 150%. I don't know why Johnny Davis just gives me Buddy Hill nightmares. Like, I just – you know what I mean? Like, those guys. Yeah. I watched some stuff on Johnny Davis, and he can get hot real quick, and I just know that can be, like, disastrous from all the years so, of watching Buddy Hill do it to me. Yeah. I. My biggest thing is I, I am an avid North Carolina basketball fan, Tar Heels. I, I love them. So I have a bit of an implicit bias against certain Duke players. I, I can recognize the talent whenever it's there. I'm not always sold on them. I just don't think K's system translates to the NBA in a way that's really good for the players coming out, unless you're a Zion Williamson, Kyrie Irving, Brandon Ingram. But I digress. I have yet to see a player come from the Wisconsin program in the last decade that's actually translated to a lottery-worthy pick. Whether it be Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker, you you you, you name you, you you name the list, and it's a lot of guys that had decent to solid careers coming out of Wisconsin, but they were never they were never good enough to justify the means of their pick. They're second round guys that put up stats in a conference in the Big Ten, if I'm correct, that isn't terrible. You have Michigan, you have Michigan State, you have a lot of good teams, but Wisconsin isn't they, they don't go based upon one guy. And do I think Johnny Davis will be a bust? It depends on where he's picked. I think Johnny Davis outside of the lottery could be one of the biggest steals the draft has. But under current construction, I'm not taking him above any of the other four other guards that I have on the big board. And I would much rather at this uh, conjecture of a draft, 
I would I would much I would much rather look for a guy like Jaden Hardy from the G League Ignite. While he's a little bit shorter, I think athletically he gives me more than a guy like Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis feels he feels like a guy that's going to be able to score at the NBA level, but not in the way and not in the efficient way that he was doing in college, if that makes sense. His upside isn't baked in. You are going to get a six-man to possibly starting two-guard that is not going to be an all-star and maybe has the upside of an all-NBA team eventually. But out of all of the guys in the top 10 this year, regardless of position, I I, I – because so – 10 through 14. This is the names they have on this website, which is uh, fanspo.com. Shout out them for hosting our eventual mock draft whenever it gets to your uh, page. So we'll just go 8 through 14, just to give you this whole range of players where we're looking at. Because Matherin we have above Johnny Davis, and that's not a question. 8, we go A.J. Griffin. Injury history, but upside. Insane shooter. Number 9, Jalen Duran, Arguably the best center in this draft, in my opinion. Johnny Davis at 10, and then you got Dyson Daniels, Jeremy Sohan, Tari Eason, and Ty Ty Washington. Out of all the players I just listed, I think Johnny Davis has the least amount of direct impact to winning basketball out of the names that we listed, besides maybe Ty Ty Washington. I think Sohan and Eason are going to be steals wherever they go, especially outside of the top 10, because of the length and the size. Eason, while he was a sixth man at... uh, at LSU, it put up almost 17 points a game. He is a literal bowling ball, and I think he's going to be a problem for a lot of these wings at the NBA level because he's a solid 6'8", 216. I think he's going to defend immediately. I don't know if Johnny Davis is going to be able to defend against your best perimeter talents. The thing, but, too, about Johnny Davis, I feel like, yeah, is go ahead. I – like, I don't know if – because I'm not super deep on him. I didn't do super crazy research, but I just – I'm not sold on him creating his own shot, like, off the dribble, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he gives yeah. me, like, the – he needs to – he needs to be, like, the third guy on a winning team, maybe fourth. Yeah. But he just mm-hmm. he just gives me, like, the Duncan Robinson vibe. Like, he needs someone to drive in, kick yes. to him, and then he's going to knock down a three. Like, I don't see – he's not the type who's going to go out there and – put on some all-star handles and get his own shot. You know what I mean? Like, I oh, yeah. Like he's, which I'm sure he can. I just don't know the level of it, and I'm, I'm not sold on it as of now, but I can it, eat his words. So. If we're looking for fit, I think Portland or San Antonio would make great homes for a Johnny Davis or even a place like New Orleans if they're not going to trade back. I think Johnny Davis – Johnny Davis is going to be a player that's going to hopefully go to a contending or soon-to-be contending team. That doesn't need the superstar. Johnny Davis is he he's essentially the floor of this draft. If you get a Johnny Davis out of this class, you cannot be mad at that, especially if you're not picking in the top five. Johnny Davis, even last year, I think, probably sits between the 10 to 25 range. And he's gonna he's he's gonna be able to translate at a level where he's going to still see minutes on an NBA floor. Will he be your best player? I don't think that's ever gonna happen, <laughs> but that's not what you need with the pick. So in my eyes, Matherin is the guy after we get out of the shade and sharp range. Obviously, it's Ivy or Bust if you're in that top four range looking for a guard. But outside of that, Shaden and Matherin are both viable options for any team looking for a two-guard. I think Matherin has the better defensive upside and potential. I think Shaden Sharp has some of the most elite traits and tools to be a like top-rate scorer. And then Johnny Davis is just that nice vanilla middle. <laughs> so you have your ends of the spectrum. Davis is like, hey, man, I'll give you some offense. I'll give you some defense, and I'll be low maintenance. 
But um, speaking of uh, low maintenance, one player we're looking at right now that could be the highest maintenance prospect we're going to see come out of the draft is A.J. Griffin. I heard a lot about this guy's health. That scared me to my bones. He dealt with the knee problem in high school and an ankle issue coming out after he graduated. I thought he was dealing with like back problems or neck issues. Ankle and knee, it's not something you want to see coming out of any draft class. But A.J. Griffin shot like 40% from three in college. There's not many guys that are true freshmen that are doing that. And if he if, if his three-point shot translates immediately, he is going to be an impact player. He's 6'6", 222 pounds. That is a more complete frame than anybody in the shooting guard range. And I think his length with his arms will be good enough to make him play a small forward. He could play the two to the three and possibly even a small ball four in certain sets. I don't like Duke guys. But if I'm picking a guy out of this Duke class, <laughs> AJ Griffin's the dude. He's going to be picked. He's going to be picked within this range of eight to like 15. And whoever gets him is going to get a steal. Because if he didn't have the injury concerns, I think he's getting taken above Matherin. I think he's getting taken above Johnny. Da- he's going to get picked before Johnny Davis. But I think you have a case to put him above Shaden Sharp if there's no scary stuff with his injury history. Because not only is he the same height as uh, Shaden Sharp, he weighs more. He shot 40-plus percent from three in college, played alongside one of the you, – you know he's going to be able to play alongside stars. Paolo just played an entire year with him. And I, I trust very few things coming out of college. I don't trust winning. I don't trust – there's a lot of things that I just say it's not always the player. It's more the system or the coach. A.J. Griffin put on a show for that Duke team and even played through some adversity with his injuries. He showed up every day he could. He put on – shot 40% from three. And even with playing alongside a guy like Paolo, I can't find the stats right now, which is frustrating. So give me one sec to pull him up. But I'm pretty sure he was putting up almost 14 to 15 a game. Like, he he was at least double digits. So he played – okay, so he played in 39 games, 24 minutes a game, shot 49% from the field, 44.7 44.7 from three with 80% from the free throw line. Yeah. And that was good for 10.4 points per game. Whenever you're playing on a team that's that good and you have a guy that's so heliocentric, like Apollo Benchero getting double digits on that roster is commendable. And while yes, we saw this kind of phenomenon with the RJ Barrett, uh, Zion Williamson team where Cam Reddish wasn't putting up these crazy numbers and he went in the lottery Cam had a lot more holes defensively than I think we're going to see out of Griffin. I think Griffin is a more complete player than a lot of the wings we've seen out of Duke recently, and I think he's going to translate. So I, I, he's I love the, the best three-point shooting wing that I've seen coming yeah. out of Duke recently too. So, And that's like the modern NBA. Like if you mm-hmm. can shoot a three and play defense, then they want you. And I, I, I like Griffin too for the fact that in this class, at least in the top 10, there's a lot of teams that aren't necessarily competing day one. But there are teams that could find guys. I, I, I don't think there's a bad fit for an A.J. Griffin anywhere. Um, he lacks the upside of Jabari or Chet. I think his upside is maybe even a little better than Paolo. That's just me in terms of what I'm <laughs> forecasting for the guys. If Sacramento said fuck it and took A.J. Griffin, I would not be pissed. It would be weird. I would expect him to trade back to try and get him, but anywhere beyond six, he he could easily go. And if you threw him into a system like San Antonio, you give him to Charlotte, or even if he falls to Cleveland, I think he 
the upside is baked into the pick at 14 to Cleveland. I think A.J. Griffin, if his body does not betray him, he could be what Buddy Heald was supposed to be, but better defensively. You mean play like some sort of defense? Play. If we're, he, if we're talking Buddy Heald, there, there's no defense in there. Yeah, and Griffin even showed uh, an ability to finish at the rim as well. He's not just a standalone, just spot-up shooter. He can finish. He's he's strong for his size. He's versatile with all-around game. And he's going to be able to defend at the NBA level. Like, I, we, we just got to hope that his injuries don't derail him. Because if, if he loses speed, that affects him. But, man, I just... For once, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what a Duke prospect does in the league. I think A.J. Griffin is going to surprise a lot of people. And that brings us to the uh, number two ranked small forward. I don't know if I would count him as – well, I'm not going to say Jeremy Sohan's a small forward. If you want to, you can. I'm classifying him as a power forward. That brings us to our next three in the list for small forwards on my end. we got Osuman Diang. Um, I know very little about this prospect. He's <laughs> 6'10", coming from New Zealand. He's super compelling just based upon his size and length. Um, there's a lot of these guys we're seeing coming out year in and year out. You're hoping they fill out and develop their offensive game. His offensive game is extremely raw. He can dribble a little bit. He can pass the ball. He can defend. He's just very, very slender. Um. He's going to be a project wherever he goes. Like the fall off at small forward is arguably the biggest in this entire draft. After Griffin, you're just looking at a lot of guys that you're hoping you can work on and develop. Because after Diang, we're looking at a guy in Kendall Brown, who's the Kendall Brown is an interesting case because Kendall Brown is the guy that came to Baylor this year and was supposed to be the star. And he played well. He averaged about 10 points per game for one of the best teams in college basketball. But he was outshined by a guy in Jeremy Sohan who was coming off the bench for a chunk of the year. Um, Kendall Brown could be really good. He's a solid 6'8", 205. His frame translates immediately to the NBL, the NBA. <laughs> um, athletically, I think he's just as good as Griffin is, if not a little bit better. There's less injury scares with him. Uh, he can play without the ball. He's switchable from two to four. Um, he, he's, he's going to, he's going to be very good. Um, so personally, I think Kendall Brown for me is a safer pick than, uh, Diang, but my favorite small forward in this draft outside of AJ Griffin, Nikola Jovic. um, <laughs> these European dudes that are like six ten to seven. I just, for, for every miss we've seen out of the European guys in the last decade, I, I genuinely think there's somebody else in the I, – I just think we've gotten to the point where it's dumb to just pass on them because they're long and European. There's far more hits than we've seen misses. Even with a guy like Denny Abdia, Alperin Sengun, the European kids are getting a lot better a lot faster, and they're developing at rates that we're not seeing out of a lot of these just uh, domestic products and your NBA G League guys, your college basketball guys. Nikola Jovic – is a stud. Um, I expect him to go in the 15 to 20 range. Obviously he's not going to translate day one, but he's 6'11", 223 with the ability to bring the ball up the court. He's not a lead guard or anything, but he has a ball. He has, he has a ball handle and for his size, he can pass. He, he's good at outlet passes. His shooting touch is great for his size as well. Um, 
biggest questions is where is he going to defend? He's 6'10", 223 pounds. 6'11", actually. So offensively, his ceiling is through the roof. Defensively, he needs to add weight if he's going to be defending power forwards and centers. But, man, if if he could figure out the defensive aspects of his game or if he goes to a team that can hide him defensively, he's going to be an asset on the offensive side of the ball, especially in a league where we've seen guys, whether it be the Bogdanovich guys, you, at the highest end, obviously, Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic have just changed the game for these Serbian and uh, European talents. But looking at Jovic and his build and just his skill set and traits – He's going to be better than your B elite says. He's going to be. He, I think he's going to be better than your Bogdanoviches. I think he's going to be that really nice bridge. Like he's not going to be Sabonis because Sabonis is bigger and he's a big man. But I think Jovic could be an interesting type of bridge, skill set wise and size wise, between guys like Doncic and Jokic. Obviously not at that level, but his mix is very intriguing. I think he's going to be a very fun prospect. He gives me like a. Like a mini Porzingis vibe. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, like the like you Porz- just don't know what you're gonna get from him, but you just you. How do you pass up on that? Yeah, he's got the Porzingis like mystique to him, but he has yeah. the guard skills. The Porzingis it, it, didn't really exactly, show exactly. Yeah, because like Porzingis a, was Kristaps uh, was a big that could shoot. Jovic is like a a two guard that's six ten. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, not an NBA level two guard yet, but he's playing in Europe at like the two guard position or the three. And um, last guy in this class that I want to talk about in terms of the small forwards, O'Shea Ogbaji. Um, (laughs) This dude lit up North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. He's one of the oldest prospects in the draft. I expect him to be picked just outside of the lottery. He's going to be a guy that should translate immediately at the professional level. He's not a star. He's not the guy you're drafting to reshape your franchise. He's the guy that you're drafting to be your sixth man, or a serviceable two guard on a team that's looking to build. And that's why I love this draft. There are far more players that I see being rotational pieces than players that are going to be the lead guy on any team. And so the deeper we get, the better value you're going to see for guys like Agbaji, Sohan, even a guy like Tari Eason. There's a lot of guys that I think are going to have staying power in the league. Because with Agbaji, personally, he's 6'6", 215. I like my wings, especially the three, to be like a 6'8", 6'9", ideally. But this guy's twitchy. Like Agbaji in the tournament, I was watching a lot of his games. He has killer shooting touch from three, and he's quick. Like he's not like knock knock you out of your seat fast, but he's twitchy. He can move without the ball. He can cut. And as a defender, he was able to slow down guys like Caleb Love and RJ Davis in that championship game. I think his floor is one of the safest out of this whole small forward class. This is a kid from Kansas, yeah? Yes. Yeah. I just cannot get behind Kansas players. Can't do it. Josh well, Jackson ruined it for me. Well, that's the thing. That's that's the biggest part about Agbaji for me. You're not taking him to be Josh Jackson, even an Andrew okay. Wiggins. He's not a top five pick. This is a guy where you're gonna you're gonna shoot to try and get him from like fifteen to twenty five. And if okay. he falls anywhere between that range, I think he's gonna be at least a serviceable player within your rotation. I could like, I could honestly see a lottery team like a reaching for him, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Like trying to make something out mm-hmm. of him, but and I've heard a lot of good things about him. Like I watched the interview with the Kansas coach and he had nothing but just the highest praise to say about him. But I mm-hmm. mean that's every coach when you have yeah. a prospect going into the draft, but it's 
I don't know, just something, something about I see Kansas, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. So uh, out of the teams that I think could use Agbaji and are going to be in that range, uh, the earliest I see him going, um, I, I can't justify it at six. Indiana's going to take a guy <laughs> like Keegan Murray before anybody else. San Antonio is really interesting, especially after the Josh Primo pick last year. I think pairing because they have Dejounte Murray, they have uh, a guy in Lonnie Walker the third. They drafted Primo last year. I think Agbaji would fit into the system they have going. They already have Devin Vassell. They already have Keldon Johnson, Jakob Podol. I think San Antonio could be very smart to draft a two to three type wing, and I think Agbaji fits that, especially with Lonnie Walker. Um, that's the earliest I see him going Washington, depending on how they're going to treat Bradley Beal. I don't think they'd take him at 10. It's just the upside isn't really there. San Antonio, they're a contender, regardless of what we say until pop retires, they're trying to make the playoffs best fit for him. I think Cleveland makes the most sense. Um, they have a team that's basically set in stone for now. Sexton's going to leave in the off season. You've got a guy in uh, a Coro that I like. I'm not sure of his upside. I think Cleveland needs a guy that's going to be able to fit into the rotation, knock down 35% from three and play good defense. And if Cleveland doesn't take him. Sorry, go ahead. And if if Cleveland's not going to take him, Atlanta has to take him at that 16 spot. Because after that, San Antonio's going to steal him at pick 20. Or at the latest, 18 to Chicago makes the best sense. But I think his, his highest... The highest I see him going is probably 14 to Cleveland. The latest he goes, 22 to Memphis. That's the range I have, 14 through 22. And there's limited teams that take him because I think a lot of these other teams are looking for the upside play. What are your thoughts on him in Charlotte? You don't like it? If Miles Bridges is walking, I guess he makes some form of sense because they're going to need a three, unless Gordon Hayward's the answer, which he's not. <laughs> Like Charlotte makes sense. Um, I do but think if I'm looking playing at the him big next board, to, playing next to him or sorry, playing him next to Lamelo as a two. I mean, what is he six six? Yeah, he's six six. Lamelo's a big guard himself, so just having a would, big backcourt like that, I just feel he like would make sense. But that's yeah. the, like I don't expect I think him he to could... be the like which that's Lamelo is is he's a playmaker. So if he could just stand in yeah. the corner and knock down threes, I feel like that helps him out. And I think drafting a guy like Agbaji this early in LaMelo's career is a good sign because a guy like LaMelo isn't going to be a tier one defender at any point in his career. And I think Agbaji could actually help cover up some of the holes defensively that LaMelo does have. So, yeah, I think Agbaji could go as early as Charlotte. And now back to our lists. This is where uh, we're going to talk about the bread and butter of this draft. This is my favorite group of players. So one through four, this is probably my favorite group, the power forwards. Um I hate classifying Chet as a center. I know he's getting drafted as a center. I expect him to be a power forward for the first four years of his career. Number one power forward in the class and my consensus first overall pick, we've got Jabari Smith, um, 16 a game, shut the lights out from three, played for a very competitive Auburn team, disappeared in the tournament a little bit, but it's a Bruce Pearl-led team. I don't know what we expected. Number two overall power forward and my least favorite of the top three, Paolo Banchero, Duke prospect, extremely solid floor, questionable upside in my eyes, very NBA-ready frame, 6'10", 250, had some concerns with his uh, conditioning due to cramping early in the season. Defensively, I don't know if foot speed's there to defend at the NBA level, and I think he's destined to be a small ball five. Uh, 
or a rotational four for the bulk of his career. And I don't know if he can defend small ball fours, but offensively, I hate to, I hate to talk bags, but his bag is one of the best in the draft in terms of just the ways he can score and the ways he'll get to the hoop and shoot. So complete offensive player, it's Paolo and arguably everybody else. While I don't think he does anything individually better than anybody else, the complete package is just better than what anybody else can offer under current recording. Uh, I'll let you take the lead on Keegan Murray. He seems to be a guy that's implicated with the Kings quite a bit. So how are we feeling about Keegan, who's the number three power forward in this class? Keegan, in my opinion, I think is, you know, the idea of power forward you want the can score mm-hmm. at all three levels, going to get back on defense. And, like, the stuff I've seen on him, he just seems like the kind of guy who – wants to play basketball too. So I, I like to me that just skyrockets your stock towards me. Cause I feel like a lot of defense is effort and, you know, wanting to play defense. So mm-hmm. I think that helps him out there too. And uh, I mean, he's a, a great size to play. He can play the three or the four in my opinion, just depending on what scheme you're running. And I mean, dude was the leading scorer in college leading scorer in college basketball last year. So that has to say something. So, there, there, there's been a drastic shift in how – because every year in the draft, we see this guy that's coming out of college that was a leading scorer in all of college. <laughs> and you look at the fucking numbers, and it's Doug McDermott or fucking Luca Garza. Dougie and Fresh. kudos to them. They put up buckets. They were getting buckets. They were the college basketball player of the year. But Doug McDermott's co- coach was his dad, and Luca Garza was <laughs> the guy in Iowa. He was like a fifth-year senior. Like, yeah, he did what he was supposed to do. The, the previous like draft picks that I was seeing coming out as the nation's leading scorer were more Drew Timmy than Chet Holmgren. Keegan Murray is a breath of fresh air. And no offense to Drew Timmy. Get, get your bag with the NIL. I hope to see in the draft next year. Um, Keegan Murray, um, he reminds me a lot of a – I've seen comps to TJ Warren just in the way that he's able to score. Keegan Murray, in my eyes, is a solid pick 5 through 10. And if you get him at 5 – even at four, Keegan Murray is justified. He's a solid 6'8 with a 6'11 wingspan. He's 21 years old, so a bit on the older side. But at this point, NBA careers are lasting longer than they ever have. So you're getting a guy that not only can score at three levels, he scored at the highest clip of anybody in the nation, and it was efficient. He went from averaging, I think, like 14 or 15 his freshman year to 26 his sophomore year, and the efficiency didn't tank. He's not going to be sitting there dribbling the ball. You're not killing possessions with Keegan Murray's scoring. He's catching the ball, cutting, shooting, or passing. He's not going to he's not going to kill possessions. He's going to get the ball, decide if he wants to score, or swing it around. He'll be able to set screens. He'll be able to defend two through four easily. And even the small ball fives, I think he, you can have him on the court and not get burnt. A solid 225 at 6'8", at 20 years old. Keegan Murray, dare I say it, is the safest player in this draft. We have seen players that have come out with this frame and not the offensive skill set. Um, TJ Warren has been a solid pro for his career. I think Keegan offensively coming out of the draft is a better offensive player. And I think he's disciplined in a way that we haven't seen these volume guys come out. Keegan is the guy you will take and put on any team and he will fit a role, whether it be on-ball defender, off-ball scorer, or even an on-ball scorer. I think if you pair Keegan with the likes of a lead guard, and a big, he is going to find the holes in the defense and produce at an NBA level. Do I expect him to average 20 a game at the NBA level at the start? Hell no. But I think he's a dark horse rookie of the year, especially in this class. 
because he's going to be logging a lot of minutes for any team he goes to. Because with a skill set like that and a frame like that, you can't not get him on the floor. After we saw what Scotty Barnes did for the Raptors, I think Keegan Murray is going to be among that level of player, especially in terms of usefulness and impact on his team that he goes to. High hopes for Keegan Murray. And then there's the drop-off at power forward. We're looking at Tari Eason and EJ Liddell. Tari Eason's a stud. Oh, well, we're going to cut off the EJ Liddell talk. Sorry, EJ. One of the older players in the draft came out of, came out of Ohio State. 6'7", power forward. Um, he's not going to be Jared Solinger, thank God. But we'll talk about him whenever it comes to the actual draft time. We've got Jeremy Sohan and Tari Eason. These, both of these players are very similar in my eyes. Sohan has a bit more length. And he's a bit taller. I do think Eason's motor is a bit better than Sohan. So while Tari Eason's 6'8", Sohan's 6'10", 230. Sohan is going to, in my opinion, he's going to get drafted somewhere. He's going to be an impact guy. He's Rui Hachimura, but you left him in the oven a bit longer <laughs> to a certain extent. Uh, I think Hachimura coming out of Gonzaga didn't have to face the level of competition Baylor was facing these last couple of years. And I just think for a guy like Sohan who came off the bench and supplanted himself as the best player, coming out of Baylor this year, whenever you have a Kendall Brown classifying the same year is impressive. And with his length, size, and height, I just find it really hard for him not to be able to defend at least the power for the three to the five. And Tari Eason for me is the fifth power forward type prospect. He is six, eight. I, I don't like the shooting touch. So I'm classifying him as a power forward. He could be a small forward. If you're coming off the bench for any college program and averaging 17 a game, something is there. He rebounded the ball 6.6 per game. He's just going to be a problem for NBA wings, especially defensively. He is built to – he's projected to be an NBA-level defender the moment he steps on the court. 6'8", 216, long, rangy, and he has massive hands. There was points in games where you have a guard driving to the hoop, you just grab the ball. Be like, thanks. <laughs> I'll take – I'll give it back to you later. But, yeah. Um, I don't know if you have any super strong opinions on Sohan or Tari Eason. But that power forward position, in my eyes, is the cream of this draft. It's it, it's going to be your highest upside baked into it, along with some of the safest floors of any pick. Definitely. My thing with Sohan, too, I think, I don't know, I'm just super high on dudes that want to be good defenders. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like, I honestly feel like 80% of playing basketball defense is like... Effort. Exactly. So mm-hmm. a guy that, that takes pride in defense like that, like I just feel like they will always have a spot in the NBA. Like, as long as they keep that up, like, he could be a, a backup player, but he's always going to have a spot as long as he, you know, busts his ass on defense. And Tari Eason, I, I, I'm so high on that dude. I love that guy. Tari Eason, he, he's going to have a roster spot regardless. I think we're going to see him come out. Um, I think he's going to play a lot like a Lou Dort in terms of intensity exactly, yeah. and just uh, overall abilities on defense. There's always room for these pesky physical defenders in the league, and I think Easton's just this next great crop. And out of like players that have been drafted over the last like decade, I think he's like one of the top five in terms of overall hand size. It's like eleven point six inches from finger to like bottom of the palm. Next level stuff. And so that brings us to the final group in terms of uh, our mock, in terms of our big board. We've got Jalen Duran as. The number one center, if you're not counting Chet as a center, if Chet Chet Holmgren is a unicorn, so he's just my number one player on the board in terms of upside. 
you're going to hear me gush about Chet whenever we go into the actual mock draft. So I'm going to give the floor to uh, three guys out of the center class that I think should be solid pros. There's one guy than everybody else, in my opinion. Jalen Duran is the best center prospect in all of this draft, unless you count Chet Holmgren as a true center. I don't think I do. Jalen Duran's coming out of Memphis. Averaged 12 points, eight boards, shot almost 60% effective field goal. He's 6'10", 250 at 19 years old. This is a grown man entering a league where centers tend to not really be fully grown until about year four or five. Um, this dude's fought, this dude's more so cat than we would say he's Clint Capella. Well, yes, Joel Embiid's and Nicole Jokic is going out there playing around like closer to 300 pounds will be a problem. I think beyond that, Bam Adebayo would have trouble guarding a guy like Jalen Duran, especially in the paint. He's long, he's athletic, and he has the fundamental tools as a shooter to get better. Everything that I've heard, it says that he could really like work on his shooting ability and his touch. Um, as of right now, he's going to be a rim runner, pick and roll type guy with a 7-5 wingspan that's going to be in the dunker spot a lot of the time and play some really good defense if you're putting him in the right spots. He's going to need to develop the shooting ability, and his left hand is going to have to get better defensively in terms of trying to get blocks. But if he can like develop the instincts defensively, I think he is going to be one of the better center prospects that's coming out of any draft over the last five years. Because Wiseman was great because of the offensive upside and how big he was and how skilled he was. Duran is a huge – he's a massive human being. And while he's not as polished as James Wiseman, I think his motor – and just his overall physical traits are lending me to believe I think his upside moving forward is probably better because Duran's coming out with little injury history and just being a freak athlete. Like I I heard somebody comp him to like young Dwight Howard with a jump shot. If it, everything goes right. And if you're giving me that in the modern NBA, I'm going to max him second year in the league. <laughs> but after Jalen Duran, uh, do you have any thoughts on Duran Trenton or I, it just honestly blows my mind, like the Mark Jeffs I've seen, how low he's going. Because this is – I mean, if the top three aren't big guys like that, like, you know, the Chet, the Jabari, I mm -hmm. feel like a lot of – I don't know. that It confuses me. Because I feel the same way about how you feel about him. I feel that mm -hmm. way too. It's just I think he could be so good. And a lot of the mock drafts, I see him, like, slipping out of the lottery. Yeah. I, I, know, I know he has, like, some work to do, but that's yeah. just – well, that's the biggest thing. There's a lot of players in this draft that are going to have work to do, whether exactly. it be offensively, defensively, or motor. The NBA center play is getting worse. And so for me, I think a lot of these teams that are picking early in drafts are better suited to try and get their big as soon as possible. Yeah. Because once you get a Jokic or an Embiid or even a Carl Anthony Towns, you're at an, you are at an inherent advantage as long as you can somehow find the guard to pair with them. Mm -hmm. And Philly's the biggest failure in that sense because they have James Harden now, but I don't know how long they're going to have him. Maxi projects to be good, but you see it out in uh, Minnesota if they were competent as a franchise. Anthony Edwards and Cat should be on people's radar for the next decade. If you have a guard that you trust and you believe in, I think Duran going to Charlotte makes sense. I think you give Jalen Duran to a team like who's to say Portland doesn't draft Jalen Duran? I think Jalen Duran on Portland solves a lot of problems. You can sign and trade uh, Nurkic. Uh, you still have Anthony Simons. You're going to have money to try and get a big fish. 
I think if you have a lead guard or a star guard in your in your system, Jalen Duran makes complete sense. He could go as high as five to as low as 15. But after that, I think you get him at the 16th pick. Congratulations. You're one of my favorite draft picks of the year. <laughs> Just physically, we haven't seen a guy like him in a long time. He's very promising. Then we go to the second tier of centers. Guys that I think will fit into rotations. I'm not drafting them based upon upside. I have a hole. I need to feel, I need to fill it. Mark Williams, 6'10", coming out of Duke, averaged like 12 points per game. He's a center. There's no getting around it. He's seven foot one, two forty two, seven foot seven inch wingspan. He's not this jump out of the gym guy like we saw with Jalen Duran or Duran. He's twenty years old. He's a sophomore coming out. Um, his free throw percentage is actually promising at seventy two point seven percent. I just, I'm drafting him for a defensive floor guy that's going to be able to vertically stop people at the rim. I think. You could try to develop him as a pick-and-roll uh, player in terms of uh, scoring, but I don't think the shooting upside will ever be there. I think he's a post-presence in a league that doesn't value that as much anymore. But I think after Duran, he's the next best available. And obviously, the odd man out in the center discussion is going to be Walker Kessler. He's the, th- second, or he's the late first, second-round pick. He's a true 7-foot, 245. If you wanted to see Tyler Zeller in the flesh, welcome to Walker Kessler. <laughs> He's going to be an NBA player. He's, I'm projecting him to be like Jakob Pertl with a bit oh, better that's shooting. Exa- that's exactly what I was thinking right now. Yeah, he, he's going to shoot a bit better from the perimeter than a Jakob Pertl. But he's going to be a guy where you're setting hard screens, rolling to the rim, picking and fading. He's not going to be a guy that puts you over the top, but he's not going to be the guy that kills you in rotations. So Walker Kessler, I'm happy I got to mention you on the podcast, former Carolina guy, uh, eventual Bruce Pearl flame out because Auburn can't do anything in the tournament. But now that we've gotten through the uh, the big board, it's time to actually meet and potatoes this. We're just going to go over the draft order real quick, and then we're going to just rapid fire this draft lottery, and then we should be almost out of here. So obviously draft order, we're talking the lottery. Does the lottery end at 13 or 14? 13, I believe. Okay, sorry, Cleveland. We're not doing you tonight. Is Orlando's the first pick. Oklahoma City at two. <laughs> Houston's three. Sacramento at four. Then you go to Detroit, Indiana, Portland, New Orleans, five through eight. San Antonio, Washington, New York, Oklahoma City again, and Charlotte to round out 13. Trenton, are there any spots in this lottery where you see teams that are going to be trading out of their pick or looking to move up? Um, You know, I see Sacramento. Definitely. I don't see them trading up, honestly, because I think they need – if they do mm-hmm. anything, it's going to be a trade back into the lottery because they need that yeah. win-now player to help with them mm-hmm. while also adding someone in the lottery, which yeah. that's why I think they're, they've, they're so deep and, like, down the lottery list on who they've talked to and stuff. And I also see Portland at seven trading that for someone, and I can also see New Orleans at number eight doing something too there. I, I completely agree. I think – after the fourth, so four, so four, six, seven, eight, all could be flipped or moved for win now players or future draft capital or even pick swaps in this year's draft. Detroit's standing pat. I think Detroit might even trade up to four. I think Detroit is in on Jaden Ivy in a way that I don't think any other team really is besides Oklahoma City. But I have Oklahoma City getting a bigger fish in this draft, obviously with the second pick. But yeah, I think. 
I don't think San Antonio moves up. I don't think they have a guy that whether they're like, yeah, what's worth leveraging a Lonnie Walker. Like they have pieces and they're just looking to add that treasure trove at this point. But Oklahoma City has the ammo to get up to that top th- the top four if they needed to with that 12th pick. Um, but New Orleans, out of all the teams, I think Indiana and New Orleans could trade back or even trade their pick for a proven star. Beyond that, I don't expect a whole lot of movement. Maybe Washington gets a little uh, inventive with Bradley Beal going to be on a new contract. They need some cheaper assets. Maybe New but, York moving up, but I don't know if New York has the pieces they want to move to move up. If they want to move – if they want to move up to four to take Johnny Davis, that'd be the most New York thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but that that'll be that we'll have to wait and see. Gotta go get your guy, man. Yeah. So Trent, you feeling ready to uh, knock out this mock draft? Let's do it. Okay. So this is the uh, moment you've all been waiting for for the last fifty six minutes. Um, <laughs> so here we go. As we said before, thank you to Fanspo for being our uh, home for our mock draft. So Orlando is on the clock, Trent. So. They got the pick of the litter. Who, who are we leaning towards the first overall pick? I was thinking Johnny Davis, but nah, I, I honestly think Jabari Smith is gone. No doubt. No questions. The, yeah. The only reality where I see Jabari Smith not being in Orlando, not not going first to the, the Orlando Magic, is they feign taking Chet at one and get somebody to jump to try and take them at that pick. Because I think Houston's pretty much set on Paolo as well. Oh, yeah. So if they believe that Chet is going to be the pick for Houston, if they believe Chet is going to regardless and they can put the pressure on Houston to move up to take Paolo, they would be more than glad to take on like a Kevin Porter Jr., a future pick, and draft Jabari Smith. Yeah. But Jabari, Jabari Smith, in my eyes, is as Orlando Magic as the pick can get. They have a log jam with their guards currently. And I think Wendell Carter Jr., while he is not the – for certain answer in this year's draft, I think he is the guy moving forward. They traded some real assets to get him. So, um, first overall pick, Jabari Smith to the Orlando Magic. This is where it gets fun. Number two overall, we got Oklahoma City Thunder on the board. They've been implicated with Jade and Ivy from the moment they got the number two pick. I've been screaming Chet Holmgren from the rooftops. Where are you feeling, Trent? I honestly I've, – I'm – I've seen the same stuff. Jaden Ivey too, Chet Holgram, Holgram slipping, but I don't see Chet moving past two. I, I just don't think there's any way. Yeah, we're looking at this depth chart currently. Um, it's not that great in the point guard depth for this team, so I I, I could understand them trying to get a Jaden Ivey to pair with Shea Gildas-Alexander. But you have Shea. You just drafted Josh Giddy. Lou Dort is an NBA-level defender. And while I'm not sold on a Mike Muscala, you could throw Chet at that four day one. And if you can sign, they still have Derek Favors at their center spot. So while I like the idea of a Jaden Ivy to pair with a Shea Gilders Alexander, Josh Giddy is the, their two guard moving forward. And I don't think that's going to be hyperbole. I think at the 12 spot, I think I, I'm going to say they pick Chet Holmgren, but I also think they have a really good shot to get their center of the future at the 12th pick as well, if they're smart. Because as much as I love Chet, I've told you the number one center in this draft is Jalen Duran. And there's not a lot of holes in the starting lineup aside from point guard for this team, but I think Shea's a point guard. So you think so, you're, you're saying you think they would stay at, they would take Jaden at two? And I think they Durant would take Chet at two and, and then Durant. just hope that Jalen falls. Because they don't necessarily need a point guard this draft. Every single year. No, 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 I'm sorry. Up. I meant Jaden. 
Jaden Ivey at two? Or you're saying you take Chet at two and uh, Dern at 12? That's what I'm thinking. I think that would be the most advantageous move for them to go with, unless Jaden Ivey is just going to be the best guy in this class. That's the only they, they would have to think Jaden Ivey is John Morant in this class to take yeah. him. Because I think Chet's upside is just insane. If he gains exactly. the weight, I think he's going to break the NBA. So we're locking in Chet? Yep. Chet Holmgren, 195, specimen. We're going to take him at number two. <laughs> arms. The reach is insane. Yeah. That leads us to Houston. They just traded Christian Wood. All signs are pointing to sour cream and Banchero. Do you have any <laughs> – if, if, if there are any lock. objections, speak now or forever hold your peace. It's a lock. It's a lock. Yeah. Uh, as good as Jaden Ivey is, they just drafted Jalen Green. Um, they just traded uh, Christian Wood. And for the team that took the upside guy at two last year, you kind of have to go with the guy that's the best floor of any player in terms of just NBA-ready offense. I think that pick-and-roll tandem translates immediately. And I think uh, – I think Paolo's going to get really used to the nightlife out in Houston. He just has to hit up James Harden. <laughs> Number four pick, Trenton, you take the floor. This is your team. I'm, I'm going to watch you work. Oh, man. So, as a Kings fan, we have no business not taking the best player available, which would be Jaden Ivey. But you've seen the multiple reports. He doesn't want to play there. Don't know how accurate they are. But Keegan Murray has had interviews that he does want to play in Sacramento, which, I mean, what guy wouldn't hype that he mm-hmm. wants to be, you know, the fourth overall pick, get your money. But um, Monte McNair, I see him taking Keegan. I know Vivek wants Keegan. So everything's pointing Keegan, but I, I just – the Kings have no business taking anyone but the best player available. So I'm I'm saying Jaden Ivey, which hurts you're my saying, heart. Hey, it hurts gonna, my heart. You're going to say Jaden Ivey? I'm going to say Jaden Ivey, but – I'm going to go Keegan, contrarian. I'm going to go contrarian. I think the, if I just don't see a reality where the Kings are at the fourth pick. Like, obviously, if they're at the fourth pick, Jaden Ivey makes the most sense. But you just did this thing with Davion Mitchell and it cost you Tyrese Halliburton. And you're not trading De'Aaron Fox now that you have Sabonis. Um, and I just think drafting Ivey to then flip him his first year, it's just not realistic. The Kings are gearing up to push for that eight seed or even higher. They want the playoffs more than any team in the West that I've seen over the last couple of years. Keegan Murray is the direct answer to that. It gives you flexibility to trade a guy like Harrison Barnes or even move off of guys like Rashawn Holmes because Sabonis wants to play center, as you've told me numerous times. Keegan is the three to four that's going to translate in the Pacific Division. Um, We just saw Andrew Wiggins go from an afterthought in Minnesota to an NBA champion in Golden State. While Keegan Murray isn't the athlete of an Andrew Wiggins, I think he's going to have that defensive upside of being a long wing with height that's going to be able to just disrupt people. And you already have a fast guard that is going to be the primary scorer on a team. You only have one basketball, and we know Keegan Murray can score, but I think Keegan Keegan can do it in ways that Jaden just can't yet. Because Jaden Ivey's the best on-ball scorer we have in the draft, I think Keegan's the best off-ball scorer. And I think Keegan's going to provide more value on the defensive end and even rebounding in terms of what a team's going to need to compete. I think it all comes down to, honestly, is how big of a drop-off they think Jaden Ivey to Keegan Murray is. Yep. Like, which I, I honestly, like I told you even when the Kings landed the fourth pick that I wasn't sold on Jaden Ivey. I didn't like the fit. I don't. I mean, why trade Tyrese to get him? But mm-hmm. I, honestly, I would just feel like a – biased King fan of a 
not taking the best player available at this spot. You know what I mean? No, I get you. So I'm going to respect you as a person. No, no, no. I'm going to respect you and take Keegan. I'm going to let you take Keegan. But I didn't say it. I I can't be that Kings fan. So you take Keegan. Well, Keegan Murray's going to go fourth. Um, I don't think it's a reach personally. I think the fall off between Paolo and Ivy might be a bit bigger than the fall off between Jaden and Keegan. In a sense, like obviously, I don't think, I think, so personally, I think Keegan is actually, I let me rephrase that. I like Jaden more than I like Paolo. I like Keegan almost as much as I like Paolo, if not more, for the modern NBA. So I think three through five, after Keegan, there's the drop-off. I think Keegan is the safest guy in terms of sure thing at this level of NBA play. For what the NBA has turned into, I think he's going to be your Scotty Barnes type from last year. Yeah, And I like what you said, too, about how the Kings are in that win-now mode because Sabonis has two years left, and he's not guaranteed yeah. to stay there, so – I definitely think they're going to take someone for fit when they probably, should, they probably don't have the business to be doing that. But And I also feel that with this team, they they have been linked as of as early as today with deals surrounding John Collins of the Hawks. And if they're not trading the fourth pick, Harrison Barnes is in that deal along with somebody else and probably a future first. Keegan Murray slots in and fills that hole that Barnes leaves at a cheaper cost and arguably a higher upside. So if they're moving in on a guy like John Collins, you keep DiVincenzo, you draft Keegan Murray, and you still have Davion. I think that is a really, really good foundation. So, Keegan, we're locking it in at pick four, and this is the best-case scenario for Detroit. If Detroit walks out of the draft at five and gets Jaden Ivey, congratulations, Cade Cunningham just got his number two. Like, I love that. Because this is a situation – because with the Kings and Jaden Ivey, De'Aaron Fox is already a premier perimeter scorer in terms of the first step in getting to the rim. I think Jaden and uh, De'Aaron do a lot of the same things, just at different levels. So I just think the fit for Jaden and De'Aaron makes less sense than the fit you see with a Jaden and Cade Cunningham. Because Cade does not need the ball. Cade will impact by dishing the ball, playing defense, and getting rebounds in a way that we haven't seen from a lot of point guards. Like Cade, his rookie year was what we thought Lonzo Ball should have been his rookie year. And obviously, Lonzo's dealt with injuries and stuff like that. I'm picking Jaden Ivey at five. That's just my opinion. I don't know how you're feeling. I think no Jaden Ivey, comparatively to everybody else here, there's a there's a definitive gap. Yeah, no, no, honestly, and even if he slips past four, I or yeah, if he slips past the Kings, I feel like it'll the phone calls will be off the hook trying to get to five. But I, he, there's no way he goes past five. Yeah, so whoever's in the fifth pick, Jaden Ivey, congratulations. You're getting that uh, not top three money, but you're still inside <laughs> the lottery. So Jaden Ivey, right. you are you are now a Detroit Piston, and that leads us to the sixth pick, which is the Indiana Pacers. I don't have them taking Shaden Sharp. I think that would not be the move for them whatsoever. I think Matherin makes the most sense here for a team in uh, Indiana. Because you have your point guard, you have a guy in, well, even Tyrese or Chris Duarte, you could play them either or. I think Brogdon gets moved. I think at some point you have to trade Miles Turner. I think you go for best floor, but high upside. Um, Shaden Sharp is the best two guard available left. AJ Griffin has a higher ceiling than Benedict Matherin, but I think the floor for Matherin is super solid. Um, a comp that I see 
in terms of just what I think he could be in this league is like an OG Ananobi at his peak, who is a very, very solid player and an insanely good asset to have on any roster. Like we're looking at this uh, depth chart. The uh, Pacers right now at the three, they got TJ Warren, O'Shea Brissett, and Lance Stevenson. Matherin comes in and is immediately their, their best uh, number three guy. Obviously, they could take Shaden Sharp and put him above a guy like Nate Hinton. But if you're keeping on uh, Halliburton, because you have Duarte, you have Halliburton. That's the foundational pieces for your guards. Matherin's the best small forward in terms of just overall floor. I like him a lot, and I think he makes the most sense. Obviously, Buddy Heald as well could play the three, but I would like to see Indiana try and flip him in a deal, try and get better assets. But out of everything I'm seeing on this roster, they don't need power forward as much. They could use a center, but they still have Miles Turner. Point guard for now, they don't need to worry about it. It's shooting guard or small forward, and Matherin's going to give you the combination of a small forward that can play shooting guard with little injury scares, and he has the time on the court being a sophomore for the number one team in all of the country last year. Cool. I agree with that. I And I think, too, like you said, because let's say they do move like a Malcolm Brogdon or a Buddy mm-hmm. Hield, you can – you have your Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton at your one. You have mm-hmm. Benedict Mathurin, buddy. All those guys are interchangeable from the two to the three. So yeah. you, you play it how you want, and I think they all fit in there. I don't know how good Buddy Hill will be at the three, but. No, yeah, I, li- I like Mathurin a lot. I think he's physically going to be able to play at the small forward position, especially in the Western Conference. So he, he seems like the most Indiana guy in this draft as well. Rick yeah. Carlisle likes these NBA-ready uh, players, and so I think he'll fit really well. Portland Trailblazers. Anthony Simons took a step up in this season that I don't think anybody really saw coming. Uh, it helped that Damian Lillard got shut down. Um, so Portland's in a really weird spot. They need to compete right now because Damian Lillard isn't going to be wasting many more years of his prime in Portland if they keep losing. Point guard is as wrapped up as it possibly could be. He is the starting point guard this year, next year, and until he retires or until he asks for a trade. Simons is the two guard until proven otherwise. He erupted last year, and I think he is uh, the perfect complement to Dame in this offense. Small forward's ugly. Um, Josh Hart is a good player at the two guard position. They could use any position from center all the way to small forward. We're looking at the big board right now. Shaden Sharp is a great offensive talent, but with Anthony Simons on the roster, I don't think I like him as much for this team, especially defensively coming into his first year. Obviously, Joe Ingles will be off of the roster after this year. He's unrestricted. Um, Nurkic is primed for a free agency push. I think they re-signed Nurkic. Josh Hart is a good rotation piece. I don't like him as a starting small forward. Power forward, I really like Nasir Little moving forward. I think they should hold on to him. Beyond that, uh, though, this team King's is a legend lot. right there. Caleb yeah. Swanigan. <laughs> Caleb Swanigan. Beyond beyond those guys, I don't see a lot of guys that I'm super sold on. Um, for me, out of the names we have listed still here, Shaden Sharp doesn't go with this pick. I don't think they're in the market for Shaden Sharp. I think it's between A.J. Griffin, Johnny Davis, and Sohan. Um. For me, 
I think AJ Griffin's probably the pick because they need a guy that's going to have an NBA frame. And if you're playing with Damian Lillard, the, the best teams that he played on in his early career with Portland featured guys like Wesley Matthews. Um, you had the team that had Batum as well as Aldridge. You surround a heliocentric point guard with shooters. They're going to perform at a really high rate. AJ Griffin is an immediate shooter at the NBA level. You just got to hope the injury history with his legs doesn't translate to the NBA. Because I would love for them to take Duran. I think he's the best overall talent on the board at this point. I just don't think they need the center that bad. And I think they're probably going to try and re-sign Nurkic. With how the market's shaping up free agency-wise. So for me, it's Johnny Davis or AJ, AJ Griffin. I don't know how you're feeling about it. I think Griffin's more of a risk. And I think Johnny Davis is a lower floor. So it depends on really what they want. Griffin gives them the versatility to play the three. Johnny Davis is a two guard and you have Simons already. I just think everything lines up for AJ Griffin to be a trailblazer. He seemed like the most pro ready out of the group. It was between, honestly, it was between me. I was thinking AJ Griffin or Jalen Duran, but Mm -hmm. it makes sense when you say they try and re-sign Nurk. So I would, I would definitely go AJ Griffin too. And if they're not re-signing Nurk, I think there are a lot there. I think there's far more big man options that are going to be sizable improvements on Nurkic. That might be a little pricey, but they won't be like max money. Like this is an off season where we're going to see guys like uh, uh, Sheck West's favorite Mo oh. Bamba. <laughs> you got Mitchell Robinson in this class of free agent. There's a lot of big guys that are probably going to be switching teams. And as much as I love Duran, I think a guy like Mitchell Robinson can do similar things to what Jalen Duran does, albeit with a checkered injury history. So I think for team need and overall roster construction, AJ Griffin has to be the pick. And it will continue. It's going to continue the slide of shade and sharp. We're now at the San Antonio Spurs. This pick is going to frustrate the hell out of me. Um, we can look at the uh, order right here, real quick. So after San Antonio, we have Washington. We have New York, Oklahoma City, and Charlotte. We're on a uh, Pelicans, aren't we? Oh, we are. Oh, sh- you you are right. We are on the Pelicans. Eighth pick, New Orleans Pelicans. I like Dyson Daniels a lot for New Orleans. Um, Shaden Sharp continues to fall. I think it's the lack of tape for this guy. I think athletically and offensively, or offensive-wise, he's a very skilled player. Uh, and if we can even look at the team needs. So point guard severe, shooting guard high, small forward, power forward, or low, and center is severe. I think the need at point guard is more drastic than the need at center. They got the guy from Hustle as their backup center. So that's pretty cool. Adam Sandler, disciple. I'm not comfortable coming into the season with Devonte Graham and Jose Alvarado as my top two point guards on the depth chart. Alvarado is a great player and a solid six man piece, but for a contending like championship level team, I don't want him as my starting point guard. They have the pieces. This is a team where you have, you've got depth. You've got CJ McCollum and the uh, quadruple zero guy in Tony Snell. Zion, when healthy, is a top 25 guy in the league. I don't care what anybody says. And Brandon Ingram emerged as one of the best players basketball can offer. So while Valanchunas is not the answer for this team at the peak of their powers, there are guys in the market that they could sign. And I think for what they've been lacking, they just lost a guy in free agency in Lonzo Ball, who I thought they really couldn't afford to lose. The draft is giving you a guy in Dyson Daniels at the eighth pick 
who could have gone anywhere. Like ESPN has him ranked six overall in their prospect rankings. He's a solid six, seven, almost 200 pounds. You pair him. You could even run him at two with CJ being the main ball handler. The defensive look you can give with a roster like this, where you have Dyson Daniels, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and a Jonas Valanciunas, and you just put anybody else. I, I think Dyson Daniels is the best fit for their roster. And I think he's the best talent for the roster as well. They have CJ for the next two years. So CJ is the two guard. He's the primary scorer, ball handler. I think Dyson could play off the ball, shoot the ball well, operate in the pick and roll. Even with a guy like CJ, he could set picks or he could even get picks set for him by BI or even Zion Williamson. It gives them a look that I don't think they've had, essentially. Definitely. I think Dyson Daniels, like passing ability and playmaking ability as well. Also mm-hmm. fits really well with the Pelicans when you have guys like Zion, Brandon Ingram. Like, yeah, you don't have to you, be the main dude. You like yeah, exactly you. It gives you four guys that can distribute. Because yeah. yeah, I was watching a, a video on Twitter and it was this guy saying like the thing that makes Zion generational isn't these dunks that he's doing. As a pick and roll facilitator, Zion's really good at finding the open man. And if yeah. you give me four six like three six six perimeter ball handler like driving kick types. With a guy like CJ, I just think it's it's really hard for that lineup to fail if they all stay healthy. So you're not only going to get a point guard, you're getting a 6-6 point guard that doesn't have to score 20 a game. He's going to fit into that. He's going to fit perfectly into where Lonzo Ball was for New Orleans. Lonzo just couldn't mature in the role because they weren't going to pay him. So you're getting a Lonzo Ball at a cheaper price for the bulk of what Zion's uh, max extension is going to be. So yeah, Dyson Daniels for me is the pick. Are we Are we in agreement? 100%. Well, um, if you're a fan of vacuum cleaners, New Orleans, stand up. Dyson is at, <laughs> he's coming home. And now we've got number nine, San Antonio Spurs. This is a roster that needs everything. Um, and this is a team. So we're looking at the depth chart. DeJounte Murray and Trey Jones. Two solid pieces. Shooting guard. Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, Joey's camp, Lonnie Walker, and Josh Primo. Small forward, it gets pretty, it gets pretty dark. Um, Kata Bates Diop was a guy that got drafted by the uh, Timberwolves. I, I th- th- it's just not a lot of like upside with these small forwards. Um, power forwards worse. Zach Collins, the uh, the forgotten Gonzaga son that played for uh, he was playing for the uh, the, the, the Blazers for the longest time. I think the biggest hole is at power forward, and I don't think it's close for this team because Murray is an all-star caliber player. Richardson, while he is not ideal at your starting shooting guard, he's a lot better than Romeo Langford, and he's a rotation piece that even the Mavs had last year. Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson, if you combined them, I'd like them a lot more. Zach Collins <laughs> is the odd man out. Zach Collins is not an NBA starting power forward, and I don't care what anybody says to me. And while, yes, Shaden Sharp is a stud, and I think he is a really, really good player, I don't see San Antonio going for a guy that's going to have to work on his game like that. Or maybe I'm just talking out of my ass. I think <laughs> uh, Jacopo, I, I, I think the Spurs are going to get a big later in the draft. I don't think they need Jalen Duren with this pick. Because Pertle, for his deficiencies, is still 7-1 on a $9 million contract. You're, you're not going to have to spend a top 10 pick on a big in this draft. So I don't think Duran goes to um, 
to this team right here in San Antonio. I Johnny Davis feels like a spur, and so does Jeremy Sohan. It's just a matter of what way what what way you want to cut it because Shaden Sharp should be the pick just based upon talent alone. But San Antonio is trying to compete, and I don't think that's ignorant of me to say. So how? Out of the three players, who do you think is most likely to go at pick nine? Shaden Sharp, Johnny Davis, or Jeremy Sohan? If I was picking pick nine, there's I don't let Shaden Sharp fall. And I think San Antonio develops players well enough. But yeah. how you're saying they do need to win now, Pop's like 95, doesn't have much time left. So they're definitely pushing for something. I'm taking Sohan, I well, believe. I think he fits the roster better than Johnny. I don't know, though, because that, I don't is, think a, Johnny that did- is a tough one. I don't think Johnny Davis goes here. Actually, if I'm gonna if, I, if I'm gonna be honest, Johnny Davis, for as good as he was at Wisconsin, is not the caliber of a player that Shaden Sharp is, and not the fit of a Jeremy Sohan. So we look at the power forwards listed. There, there is a fall off after Sohan. We look at the shooting guards listed. I'm taking Sohan, especially how you say they need to compete now. I feel like he, you plug him in at the four over Zach Collins. Mm-hmm. And I and think Richardson's a good enough player to be in a rotation at the shooting guard. And I well, think he, the Spurs yeah. should be active in free agency. They've got $39 million in cap space coming out this year. And they just, dra- they just drafted Josh Primo, who seems a bit short to play too. But they've already got a super young, like, offensive-minded prospect. Does Josh so Richardson I- start over Lonnie Walker? I believe I think Walker was hurt last year. Oh, okay, maybe they got him it. late in the season. They traded uh, with Boston to pick yeah, up yeah. Uh, Richardson, and uh, and they already have the shooting guard prospect in uh, Romeo Langford. <laughs> so yeah, obviously, Shaden Shaden Sharp is better than Langford, but Sohan makes a lot of sense for what the the Spurs like to do. So we're gonna Jake, go with I, Sohan. I yep. Jeremy, come on down. Staying in Texas. Congratulations to you. Only have to rent a U-Haul, not a uh, commercial airliner. This is the pick of the draft. Um, this is going to be interesting. Uh, do they re-sign Bradley Beal for a max contract, or do they sign and trade him and say it's time for a new era? They need a point guard. They need a point guard bad. Obviously, having Bradley Beal, you don't need a shooting guard. Small forward isn't too bad for him. They've been investing into that with guys like Denny Avdia and Corey Kispert. If you get rid of Black, if you if you if you're selling on Bradley Beal, the need for shooting guard is immense. Obviously, point guard too. Cassius Winston is not a starting point guard in the NBA. You just traded for Kristaps Porzingis, and I think while you don't have a star center, you are far less worse off than a lot of these other teams. And Porzingis can play your five while you slide Kyle Kuzma to your starting four. If this team is not going to re-sign Bradley Beal. Shaden Sharp is the perfect pick for them to, t- to take at 10. And I just... If if Shaden Sharp does not go at this pick, the New York Knicks are taking him. Like, Shaden Sharp's going 10th or 11th. I, I don't know. I feel like you can you compare Shaden Sharp and Bradley Beal together. Like, That's what I'm saying, how, yeah. They, they yeah, don't, don't have to pass well on him. I don't know. But Bradley Bill, I feel, can handle the ball good enough to – I don't. that's a tough one. This is a roster. I, I just don't see Shaden Sharp falling out of top ten. So just out of necessity, just 
I, this is a best pick available situation. Yeah. Like this is like this is whenever Cam Reddish went to the Hawks. This is the talent is undeniable. The fit shouldn't matter as much. Uh, Shade and Sharp, you are going to be in DC. I him going at ten is a steal for whoever gets him. Now we're looking at the New York Knicks. Jalen Duren is going to be a Nick, and it hurts because <laughs> I really wanted him to go to the Thunder. Like genuinely, I wanted him to be on the Oklahoma City Thunder. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. The Knicks could totally draft Mark Williams here because they're just idiots. Um, they've got their point guard and Emmanuel quickly. Their shooting guard is Alec Burks. They're quoting him as the starting shooting guard, which is stupid. It's RJ Barrett or Bust. Furon Hunt, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, Randall, Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel. They could improve at, I guess they could try and improve at guard and throw RJ at the small forward. If they trust Nerlens Noel to be that guy, it depends on their feelings towards Jalen Duran. Genuinely, that's that, that's the way I see this pick going. Um, Obi Toppin, I think, is going to be the guy for this team. They're going to trade Julius Randle, and I think if they're moving Julius Randle, they're probably going to hope. I think they might get a big in a return for Julius Randle, like a center. So I don't know if Jalen Duran is actually their number one option here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this pick screams Johnny Davis. And you'd slide RJ to the three? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. RJ Barrett Alec is like a 6'8". Alec Burks is probably my top five least favorite player in the NBA. Yeah. So, yeah. I def- yeah, I can see the Johnny Davis. I could see him maybe reaching for Ty Ty, but I don't, I don't know the fit with Emmanuel Quickly and Ty Ty together. I just know mm-hmm. for some reason they're like, not sold super, on quickly. Yeah, they're like super interested in getting a point guard for some reason, which I don't know because I know they were they were in on De'Aaron Fox last year. They really wanted De'Aaron Fox. They really want to move uh-huh. up to get Jaden Ivey, but Jaden Ivey fits that too. So I don't know if they get Ty Ty. So just because of how ball dominant he is, I feel. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say Johnny Davis is a good fit there too. Yeah, for as much as I love Duran, I, I I don't think he goes in the top ten just because bigs are really undervalued in the modern NBA. Um, Johnny Davis screams New York Knicks draft pick for me. Um, <laughs> and he has his own commercial. Do I, do I think he's drafted a bit too high at this point? Possibly. I like the upside of Tari Eason over him, but you're not gonna sit. They I guess they could take Tari Eason here, but you already have Toppin and Julius Randall. And his shooting touch isn't going to translate to what New York's doing right now. And I think really New York's in, so yeah, I think New York's fine. They're I think they can punt on center this year. I think they maybe even give Mitchell Robinson a deal like two years or something due to his injury history. I do not like Ferran Hunt as the starting small forward, and I would feel far more comfortable with RJ Barrett filling that role. I think RJ defensively has improved enough to play the three at an NBA level, and I think. Johnny Davis, while he's not my favorite scorer in this draft, if you pair him with a quickly, can play off ball really well for a team in New York, and he's not going to be asked to be the star player. And I just don't like what New York does with centers. Kristaps uh, was weird. They wasted most of Mitchell Robinson's career. If you like Johnny, I think Johnny makes sense going to the Knicks. Do the damn thing. 12th pick. And now my manifesto is complete. I understand they could totally <laughs> use – well, look at this. Their team needs. you got low for the point guard. It's high for everything else except center is severe. 
And man, every complaint I've heard about Chet Holmgren in this year's draft cycle has been, he's not big enough to defend NBA centers. There's a man right here, ninth ranked in this draft that is big enough to defend NBA centers. And you know what his name is, right? Jalen Duran. <laughs> um, it's an aggressive strategy for them to uh, take a center after taking a, a center effectively. But I think this is a roster that is totally fine. And realistically, I think they lack talent at their big spots because a guy like Pokushevsky can play the three as a backup small forward. Josh Giddy, uh, he could play as the dominant ball guy. He, he could be a one in, in your offense. Um, That's a massive team right there. The height yeah, on that team so, is insane. They're so long and big. Like, Shea should be the point guard. I know he can score, but Josh Giddy. What's Giddy, like 6'8"? Giddy is massive. He's slender, but he is a facilitating player. you got guys in Darius Baisley, Trey Mann. You've got upside in these younger players. And I think with a guy like Jalen Duran, you're going to have him on an affordable contract because you're getting him in the back end of the lottery. And if your team can develop a guy at his height to just give you at least some mid-range and possible three-point range, you might not even have to do that because Dort's shot has improved. Giddy can shoot. Shea can shoot. We know Chet can shoot. You have that guy in the middle. You don't have to have uh, Chet defending NBA centers. You have him on the perimeter playing against your stretch fours or even your perimeter or your normal traditional fours. He's long enough and his foot speed is fast enough to keep up with those kind of players. And you have a tandem of those two. There was jokes going around about the thin towers featuring <laughs> Alexei Pokashevsky and Chet Holmgren. You give me a twin tower setup of a 6'10 center at 250 and you have Chet at seven foot, 195. Chet could be the best off-ball defender in basketball with uh, Duran like walling up against centers and you just have people trying to get to the rim. You have Chet soaring in, blocking shots. It's a, it, it would be a cheat code. They've been yeah. building their perimeter guys for the last five years. And if you can get two guys where one is like the upside of the century in Chet and a floor with Duran where I think he's going to be an NBA caliber center for the bulk of his career, I don't see why you don't go for it. Makes sense, too. So you want Jalen Duran? I, I like it. Let's freaking go! Look, he's wearing a Kentucky jersey in that picture. It's one of them <laughs> Calipari. If you like Bam out of bio, you're gonna love this guy. I hate this pick. Um, this team roster wise, I hate it. Um, where 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 do we go from here? Um, if this is the fall off, yeah. If if uh, Miles Bridges leaves, then Tari Eason, no doubt. Yeah, it's a good pick there, but right now they're they're I mean Montrez is in prison, so <laughs> they take uh Mark Williams, maybe. That's I think like... Mark the Mark Williams pick feels high. Do they have another pick? Like I'm I'll pull this up. Charlotte's picking at 13, and nope, they have one. No, they have yeah, they have another one somewhere. They're 13 and 15. So I yeah. think Miles Bridges is not re-signing. If he gets a max offer, they're letting him walk out of everything I've seen out of this uh, draft cycle. So I think their best bet, they could definitely use the center because Mason Plumlee just isn't it. But I think what's going to be best for this team moving forward, you've got Rozier, you've got Lamelo as your point guard, Cody Martin, Kelly Oubre, Gordon Hayward. P.J. Washington is good at the power forward, but he's not a starting power forward in my eyes. 
I think they are going to – I think Tari Eason is the pick here at 13. He provides the most uh, versatility for what this team needs. He'll defend at an NBA level, and he can cut to the rim as well as anybody in this draft, and he's super efficient. So I like Tari Eason at 13, and I would look for them to like flip to Ogbaji at 15. I think a, that would be smart. I was going to say, yeah, Ogbaji um, maybe at 13 if Miles Bridges resigns, but – that, yeah, they, they could slide him in at the two, and I feel they like that's a good. They have the pick of the litter here. Yeah, if they like Mark Williams, you take Tari Eason. If you like Agbaji, you take him there. Because so let's say this: so EJ Liddell is still here, and he's undersized at the four, but I don't think it's going to matter that much to them. Um, Jaden Hardy is a real. Th- this whole class of the shooting guards after our top five gets really murky. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be Agbaji for this pick, just because I don't think he's there if Cleveland gets a crack at him. So I'd say 13, Agbaji sneaks in there just because Charlotte needs a guy that's going to be able to defend on the perimeter and shoot the ball, especially whenever you have Lamelo playing big minutes at point guard. But then Tari Eason does the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So I I have a pivot. No. Well, I guess we drafted him, so too late. So Agbaji went 13, and the Cleveland Cavaliers are at the next pick. So they need a shooting guard or a center. That's wild. I don't think they need a center. I think <laughs> I think this uh projection is a little uh a lot of sorts. Um, Colin Sexton is about to leave this team. They have Karis LeVert. Um, Okoro Osman, I think a small forward could be good. Tari Eason makes sense, but I feel like they have guys like him. Could they be on, in on like a Usman Diang? Like, I feel like I the Cavs literally. The only thing that scares me is that their power forward position. I'm not sold on Lori like that. And then, but they have I Mobley. Mean, oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Mobley that. and Allen are there for the next and then six years. Sexton's out. I don't know if they're keeping um, Karis LeVert. But, yeah, I could see that. Is Jaden Hardy somebody you could sign up for, I guess? 6'4", 190. I- I don't like I don't like Ty Ty or Jaden just because they have Darius Garland. Exactly. And then Okoro himself is six five. I feel I like Tar- there's a, that's what I'm saying. After Tari, I feel like there's a drop in talent. I don't know how Out big of, it is, but yeah, I'm going Tari Eason. I just think it sucks for this Charlotte team that I think really could have used Eason. But at six eight two sixteen, this is a guy that's going to go to Cleveland and be able to defend a lot of the top players out in the East. Because that's one thing they didn't have, especially in the playoffs, or especially whenever they came down to that play-in game against the Hawks. Nobody checked Trey out. They had nobody in the rush that could even think of stopping him. You throw Tari Eason on him, I think he's going to slow down the best perimeter guys in the league. So Tari Eason. And so this is officially the uh, makeshift managers featuring uh, Trenton uh, 2022 NBA mock draft. Um, there could be a lot of movement in these top 13 picks. Um this is the way we see it going. A lot of it's team fit. A lot of it's best available. I think if Oklahoma City gets a, a draft that pans out this way, I think 
their team could be really scary starting next year. I just think you give them that size, center and power forward, it's going to be hard to score on them. Orlando gets their guy. Um, New York gets their guy, <laughs> effectively. Um, Ivy at five is a steal. Benedict Matherin screams Indiana Pacers. A.J. Griffin is probably the reach of this draft to a certain extent. Not because he's not good enough to be the seventh pick, but because the injury history scares me off a bit. Shaden Sharp could be the steal as well at, at pick 10. I think a lot of these picks are realistic. Ogbaji could be the reach of the draft as well. But time will tell. Trenton, how are you feeling about the mock? I like it. I, oh. I think there's going to be a lot of movement. But mm-hmm. if there wasn't, I definitely see it going down this way. Same here. I think Paolo is a lock at three. I don't see the Rockets moving off of him unless they trade up. Um, I, I genuinely think this draft from four all the way to 10, these picks could go any way exactly. based upon the team that's picking. And I think Jalen Duran could go anywhere from eight all the way to 12. I don't see him getting anywhere past 12. He is that talented. I can see the Blazers just, taking him at seven. So 100%. Depending on what they want to do in Nurk. Yeah. If Nurk is going to be gone, Duran goes at seven. And then I think that opens the door for AJ Griffin to probably go to the Spurs. I think Griffin's a fit for the Spurs. Um, Yeah, the only player that I could see off rip not being in the top 14 after our mock is Agbaji. I think Agbaji will be a reach in the the lottery, not because he's not qualified or talented enough. He's just older and his upside is limited compared to the rest of the guys in this list, aside from Johnny Davis. The Taco Bell commercial is cool, but, you know, (laughs) it is what it is. But um, we're going to... Remove the mock draft. Uh, we want to take a second to thank everybody for uh, joining in and watching the show. It was a longer one because we had to, a lot to unpack. Everybody that wants to join the chat, Holmgren uh, fan club, uh, hit us up with the makeshift managers. I think he is probably the best guy in this draft. His outcomes are wider than a guy like Jabari or even Paolo, but I think his upside is far higher than both of them. Um this could be the best draft we've had in the last five years in terms of one through 14. I think there are NBA players riddled throughout this draft and even outside of the lottery. But if we did the lot, if we did pass the lottery, we would, we'd probably be here till 7 PM. So I know Trenton has to work tomorrow. I got to work tomorrow. I got to make some dinner at some <laughs> point. So uh, any last words, Trent? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It was fun. Hey man, no worries. I, I look forward to possibly getting you back on here whenever the uh, NBA Summer league comes around or even uh, preseason stuff. We're going to do some probably uh, team previews and we'll bring you on. We can uh, have some Mike Bibby bobbleheads in the frame (laughs) and have you just spew about how the, uh, the Sacramento Kings are running the Pacific division. Cause as long as Russell Westbrook's a Laker, I'm not sure if I'm sold on it, (laughs) but uh, from myself and Trenton to everybody listening at home or watching on the live stream, uh, don't forget to uh, follow my friend at T pesos 21 on Twitter. He's always talking Kings. Uh, very intelligent basketball mind. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TMSM Podcast. Uh, Austin should be back in the next week or so. That new work schedule is kind of kicking us in the ass a little bit in terms of scheduling. But uh, as you know, stay safe, stay smart, and uh, from the bottom of our hearts, <laughs> peace. <laughs>